Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, it's all football, folks. Brian Doby, head coach of the Manitoba Bisons men's football team. They are in UBC in the playoffs on Saturday. They'll tell us about their chances to win and pull off the upset. John Hodge then joins us from Three Down Nation to preview the CFL playoffs and share with us his idea to make the CFL awards a little better. That's all coming up on the podcast. The Manitoba Bisons, they're on the road at UBC in Vancouver. That's where we find the coach of the Bisons, Brian Doby. Brian, night before a playoff game, how does it feel? Feels great. Feels great to be here. Uh, we're we're uh, we're excited. We're playing with house money, and uh, just uh, an incredible way of getting into the playoffs. And uh, we've had a great week in practice, and we're playing the number one seed. And uh, hey, it, it couldn't be better. It's uh, it's awesome. So, for those who didn't see how you got into the playoffs last week, you needed to beat Calgary or not lose by two or more touchdowns. They have they have a twenty point lead late. You score because they fumble on like this, what would have been the second last play of the game. When you see them not take a knee, what's going through your mind? <laughs> to be honest with you, you know, not seeing them take a knee, nothing. I, I thought nothing of it. They handed the ball off. I, I didn't really think about it. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'll tell you what um, credit to our players, not credit to, to me when I make this statement. Uh, you know, I was about to be in the process of taking my headsets off. You know, Calgary's got possession of the ball. Uh, they're up 20, and they uh, need to, to beat us by, well, they, you, you, the 12 points was the, was, the, was the magic number. It was 12 points. So we, we were down eight. Uh, we'd beaten them quite handily back in Winnipeg earlier, so the point differential came to that. And you know, they, they handed the ball to the running back. Um, it was just a, a standard play, you know, like a million other plays all across the continent in football in the season, you know, essentially to almost literally end the game. Um, and our safety, Stephen Adamopoulos, speaking of St. Paul's, ex-St. Paul's player, uh, came down with a receiver who was coming down to seal the edge. Uh, he came around over top. Uh, of them uh, on the block and, and therefore came downhill and from the side. I don't think uh, Matthew Clark, the Calgary running back, saw him, and he just hammered him, punched the ball out. Nick Conway picked it up, went about 35 yards into the end zone for a touchdown, and we and we needed a two-point convert. If we didn't get that, uh, it, it would have been all for naught, but of course we did, and there were zero ticks left on the clock. Uh, it looked like, you know, Bison players running amok on the field, didn't even know what to make of it. They, our guys were going crazy. Calgary guys were just down and flat down on hands and knees and devastated. It, it was the most shocking, the most shocking ending to a game that I've been a head coach for 49 years. I, the most shocking ending to a game I've ever experienced. I, I cannot, I cannot stress that enough. It was crazy, and here we are in the playoffs. Yeah, I, have you, you've never seen a team celebrate so much for losing by 12, but it got you into Absolutely. the playoffs, and now you're going to UBC, and this is a tough task. I don't have to tell you that. You played them back in September. You lost by 46. It was a 56-10 to 10 defeat. Yeah. Now, you did not have Jackson Tachinski 
yeah. that day. How much does that change your fortunes going into this one? It changes it a lot. I mean, it, it, it really does. And, and it doesn't make up whatever the differential is, 46 points or whatever. I mean, it's, it's not about that. But, but sports are interesting. And, and football in particular can be very interesting from week to week or, or month to month. Um, a, lot of, a lot of things change. And, and, and matchups, you know. So the matchup with Jackson in the game, um, it, it, it really is significant. He's unquestionably, I, I, I'm just telling you flat out, he's unquestionably one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. He, he, he just is. So to have him back and, and, you know, it would have been a very different game, in, you know, way back in what was that week three or something um, had we had him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, does that make the difference? Well, you know, for all those points, of course not. It doesn't. But but it changes the whole dynamic of the game. Um, and uh, yeah. So. You know, uh, when you've got an outstanding quarterback, Zach Kolaros, when you've got an outstanding quarterback, you you have an opportunity to win every time out. If you don't have that guy, yeah, good luck. You know, so so yeah, I, I yeah, we're excited for this matchup for sure, and and uh, it's it's a whole new day tomorrow uh, in the Vancouver Wings that we're expecting to get here. So at least it's warm. So beyond the quarterback position for you to win this game tomorrow, what is the, what has to happen for it to at least be close? And then if it's close, anything can happen. Yeah, you're right. And, 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 and quite honestly, if we, if we could, you know, manufacture the game, you know, that that's how we, our staff's been talking. We need, we need to get off to a good start. I think is the most important thing. If I feel, you know, their offense, UBC's offense is really good. So if 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 they uh, start to bury us early, that that could be the kiss of death. It it could be. I'm just calling it like it is. We need to we need to get off to a good start. If we do and can sustain and and keep it close, you're right. Then we have a chance to make that happen. Um, you know, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is they've got a whole array of um, of their, their starting receivers. All, all all their guys across the board are very very good. Uh, you know, Sam Davenport, we think is one of the two or three best receivers in, in all of Canada West and uh, 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 Soriano, uh, another guy that is, uh, you know, is just loaded with speed, great athlete uh, and their quarterback, you know, uh, he's, he's kind of a Jackson Tachinsky clone in a way. They, they operate similarly. They're, they're athletic. They can run. Uh, they move the ball around really well. I, I think the, the, the biggest test for us is going to be how our defense matches up with their offense. Uh, they they do a lot of different things. They they do more things offensively uh, to cause problems, uh, to to cause confusion than any other team in the conference. So I I think you know the ball's over in the defensive court right now. I think they're the ones that are going to be have the the greatest challenge tomorrow. So it would be a, a lower scoring game than favors uh, you in that regard. Yeah, yeah. If we can, if if we can, have yeah, not let them just, you know, especially hit big plays, and that's what they did at the beginning of the season when we played them. They they came out and literally, I think it was the second play of the game, and they hit a seventy five yarder, 
They, they just, uh, we thought our guy had the interception. He just missed the interception. Of course, when he missed it and he's down on the ground and the receiver just caught it and pretty much jogged the, the remaining 30 yards or whatever it was into the end zone. So, so they, they, they are capable with, you know, with their, their skill players of, of big plays, They've, their tailback, their running back was first team all Canadian last year. Uh, their offensive line, their offense is really good. Their offensive line. Um, I don't know the number, something like 10 or 11 NFL teams have now been up in Vancouver to UBC practices to watch not one offensive lineman, but, but two offensive linemen, both their tackles. They're, they're monsters. They're, they're six, eight, you know, there's six, eight and six, nine. Uh, they're, there's, yeah, they're the real deal. They're, they're can't miss CFL first round draft picks. They're both of them are potential NFL players. So, I'm going on about their offense, as you can tell. Um, it's it's really really good, and and they've got several players in that offense that will be playing maybe in the NFL, but certainly in the CFL over the next one or two years. So what you're saying is it's going to be tough tomorrow. It's going to be tough, but but it, that's not the toughest team we've ever played in my career. I mean, they're really good. Uh, it's Canada West, and we're good too. Uh, you know, um, it, it will be tough. I mean, it's the number four seed playing the number one seed. So that's always tough. It doesn't matter what, what sport it is. Um, but I love it. I started off by saying we're playing with house money. You know, you, you know there, there was seconds left on the clock and we were out of the playoffs. And then, you know, Adamopoulos makes an incredible play. We're in the playoffs and we're pretty motivated, I'll tell you. So... Uh, yeah, bring it on. Well, Brian, best of luck tomorrow. Have fun. I appreciate it. Fun's a, a key operative word. I hope it is fun. That means we're winning. So <laughs> I appreciate it, Christian. All right, that is Brian Doby. He is the head coach of the Manitoba Bisons men's football team taking on UBC tomorrow at 3 o'clock Central. Tomorrow also we have the first round of the Canadian Football League playoffs. Hamilton at Montreal, Calgary at BC to break it all down. We're joined by our friend of Three Down Nation, John Hodge. John, are you ready for some CFL playoff football, some games that finally mean something? You betcha. I'm excited. And so we start with the Hamilton-Montreal game, and Matthew Schultz named the starter, but he's not going to play the whole game, right? They're trying a platoon thing here with Bo Levi Mitchell. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Mitchell played, uh, you know, he, he's played parts of the last three games and has struggled, right? Like, this is not the bully by Mitchell of old that I think the Ticats hoped and, and thought they were getting when they signed him to that big contract this offseason. And, you know, frankly, like, with, with what they're paying him, he's the third highest paid player in the CFL. You know, he, he's, he's making, by CFL standards, I, w- I would call it Ferrari money. And, and they're choosing at the most important juncture of their season to leave their Ferrari in the garage for at least part of the game. And that's not anything new. Again, when he's been in the last couple of weeks, he has, you know, set up for portions of the game while Matthew Schultz has come in. And obviously at this point in time, the Ticats feel like Matthew Schultz gives them the better chance to win, or at least he gives them as good of a chance as, as Bolivar Mitchell with his mobility. He certainly brings a different dynamic to that offense. And, 
you know, good for the coaching staff, right, to, to make that decision that, that they feel is best for their team. But long-term, at least beyond this year, I think you'd certainly have to wonder about Mitchell's status in Hamilton. So are we anticipating a scenario here where, let's say, they go kind of back and forth for a bit and then Steinhauer just picks whoever's better in the first half and rides with them the rest of the way? It's not so much what we've seen. Like, like Mitchell started not this past game because it was meaningless for the Ticats, but the two before that, Mitchell started and they, they kind of worked in Matthew Schultz. Um, you know, it, it's possible he makes a change and, and, you know, brings in Mitchell partway through this one and goes back to Schultz. I, I think it depends on, on maybe who has the hot hand. But again, this is the type of, you know, thing you might do if you had an unproven starter or, or you were balancing two guys. And it's not necessarily new for the Ticats. They did this a little bit back when they had Dane Evans and Jeremiah Masoli who were both there. But that was certainly not the plan coming into this year, right? The plan this year was Bolivar Mitchell is our franchise guy. We're, we're paying him half a million dollars a year and, and, and hoping that he's going to be Bolivar Mitchell of old. And and he, he wasn't that this year. He had a negative touchdown-interception ratio, um, he obviously got hurt twice. Not that that was necessarily his fault, but you know he, he only played six games and he has among the worst quarterback ratings of, of any quarterback in the CFL with a minimum of 100 attempts. So uh, yeah, I, I do think it depends to an extent on, on who gets hot. And but but again, the the script here that that the Thai Cats seem to be writing for tomorrow is. I would imagine disappointing for, for a lot of Ticats fans based on the hopes that were coming into this year. So Montreal is a three and a half point favorite, 11 and seven on the season. They beat everybody below them. They beat nobody ahead of them in the standings. So with Montreal favored by three and a half, which way would you lean? I, I'm leaving towards the Owls. I, I do think they will take this one. I think the Alouettes have a really good system in place to to maximize what they have like they they don't have a, a great receiving core they've got austin mack and then and then a few other guys who pop off every now and again guys like tyson philpott tyler sneed Kayon julian grant but ultimately they don't ask cody fajardo to win games through the air what they ask him to do is to play mistake-free football to take advantage of what the defense gives him whether that is you know, the short intermediate passing game, whether that is opportunities for him to take off and use his legs to get first downs. And on defense, they do a great job of playing opportunistic football. They swarm the ball. They force a lot of takeaways. And, and it's that field position that the Alouettes use to score points. A perfect example would be this past week when they hosted the Ticats, ironically, for the last week of the regular season ahead of hosting them again in the playoffs now. But Marc-Antoine Decois, the team's safety, who I think is going to be the CFL all-star at safety this year, punched the ball out, and, and sure enough, the Alouettes you know, recover, and, and two, three plays later, they're in the back of the end zone, up 7 nothing, one minute into the game. Like The Alouettes don't put together a lot of big, long, time, you know, clock-chewing drives. What they generally do is wait for the opponent to make a mistake and, and then pounce, and they're good at forcing those types of mistakes. So I, I think the Alouettes, you know, they, I, I think they're going to struggle if they win this game. I don't see them winning the East Division because, you know, that, that strategy that they've got, that kind of playbook that they run, I, I don't think it works when, when you're going up against a team that, you know, player for player you can't match from a talent perspective. But I think they can certainly match the Ticats for a player, player, a player for player from a talent perspective. 
And so I, I do think, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. They don't really blow teams out. They, they play close games. But I, I do think that the Alouettes will win, and I, I think they have a pretty good chance to cover as well. BC hosting Calgary. Six-and-a-half-point favorites the Lions are. This is a matchup we saw a couple of weeks ago when BC didn't have a lot really on the line. They they had a very, very long shot of winning the West, but Winnipeg would have had to lose out. So when things started going poorly, they just benched people and said, okay, Winnipeg, you can have the West. Calgary, meantime, was 6-12 and 12 this year. They sucked for most of the year. They get in basically because Saskatchewan fell apart. Any hope for Calgary this week? Well, I think the way that Calgary finished their season last week was disappointing. Like, like Bomber fans obviously watched that one close with Winnipeg playing out there. And I mean, the Bombers sat 10 starters and then worked a bunch of their backups into that game beyond the first quarter and still mopped the floor with the Stampeders, who sat three starters, significantly fewer than Winnipeg. And they also left a lot of their starters in the game right through the second half and in, into the fourth quarter. Um, the week prior to that, I think the Stamps actually showed some very positive things. They went into Vancouver, and they completely changed the way their offense looked. And to their credit and fairness, they did get banged up at the, the running back position this year with Kadeem Carey going out for a bit, Peyton Logan going out for a bit. But ultimately, this is a team this season whose quarterback has struggled, right? Jake Mayer has not been very sharp. The receiving core outside of Reggie Bagleton has really struggled. They've dropped a lot of passes. And the offensive tackles they've had this year have been a huge downgrade from a season ago. They've struggled in pass protection. Well, to me, the formula, when your quarterback receivers and tackles are struggling, it's pretty simple. You've got to run the ball. And that's the one thing that the Peters offensively can do really well. That's exactly what they did in Vancouver. Like the, the BC Lions are, are a substantially more talented team. Like Vernon Adams Jr. is playing the best football of his career. Their receiving core, I believe, is the best in the CFL. And defensively, they've got a ton of playmakers. Matthew Betts coming off the edge has been great. Um, their, their secondary is very talented. Gary Peters, C.J. Lay, it's a, it's a veteran group that, that, that plays very well. But the one knock on them is they, first of all, are, are a little small along the defensive line. And if you can out-physical that team, like they are very much a dome stadium team, if you can go in there, and again, even, even with a bit of a talent deficit, if you can go in there and kind of punch them in the mouth and, and control the line of scrimmage and exert your will, you can win. That's the, that's the formula that the San Peters used in week 20 to get that win. Uh, I, I also think they might have played their hand a little bit. I think the Lions are going to be a lot more prepared for this one than they were a couple weeks ago, be more prepared for a more physical game. The BC Lions, yes, Sion Tama, one of their rush ends is suspended for this one, but I do think they are dressing more defensive linemen to try to be prepared to take that running game away. Um, so I, I think the Stampeders have a fighting chance. I mean, there's a reason they play the games at the end of the day, but I, I do think that the Lions have a have a very good chance of taking this one. So we're going to have Lions at Blue Bombers. We're going to have Montreal at Toronto. We're just, we're just running back 2022 all over again. Well, the six playoff teams are the exact same from the, last year. Not only are <laughs> the standings the finished in the same, same order, it's it's a complete refresh. Exactly the same order. The one change is that I mean, Edmondson and Ottawa both finished with four wins. However, last season, with the way the tiebreaker worked out, the Red Blacks got the first overall pick. This year, it's the opposite. The Elks have the first overall pick. But you're right. So far, this year's script has played out just like last year's. And I wasn't there a writer's strike. Right, maybe that's the deal. The, the the authors of the CFL script 
we're on strike and and they're just writing the same thing. Hopefully for for Bombers fans anyway, they the last chapter is a little bit different if Winnipeg and Toronto meet in the Grey Cup again, but uh We'll have to wait and see for that. One thing that's different is the award nominees for the major awards in the CFL. You've written a column at 3downnation.com suggesting that maybe the CFL could restructure how they do this instead of going division versus division. What is your thought of how this could change? Well, to me, like, like the, the reason that the format is the way that it is is, is very outdated. Like the, the tradition of having East versus West stemmed from the fact that these games, you know, if you go back 40, 50, 60 years, were not on television and it was impossible for voters to have a, you know, a good understanding of what was going on really around the league, right? These games, you couldn't, you couldn't listen to them. You couldn't watch them. Um, Your best hope was getting, you know, stat write-ups in the newspaper. These days it's obviously very different. And last year was my first year attending the award ceremony for the CFL and I was extremely impressed with the glitz and glamour of the event. And I mean that in the context of the CFL. It's not glitzy and glamoury from an NFL or, or NBA perspective, but you know, I think that's one of the things that appeals to a lot of people about the CFL. It has kind of a down-home Canadian mom-and-pop feel. But with that said, I, I, I thought the event was, was first class. And I mean, this year's event, with all due respect to Regina last year, this year's event in Niagara Falls I think is going to be even better. They've booked a live musical act and it's, I think it's going to be a great night. The only thing that let it down was that it was obvious who was going to win all these awards. Like, like Zach Kolaras, I think garnered 94% of the vote for MOP and uh, Dalton Schoen garnered 96% of the vote for, you know, most outstanding rookie. Like the closest vote was for most outstanding defensive player between Lorenzo Malden, the fourth and Sean Lemon and Malden garnered 32 of 50 first place votes. In other words, he, he garnered two thirds and that was the closest one. And as a member of the media, you show up and you go to the back and you know, they, they have the, the winners there, but you're under embargo. So you're not allowed to say or, or tweet anything or whatever, which is fine. It's perfectly understandable. But I remember thinking, this is kind of silly. Like, like I get not wanting to, to have news break that someone's going to win, but like we already know, right? Like the fans who have paid to come to this award show, already know who's going to win almost all these things. So to me, the better way to do it is instead of having one Eastern nominee, one Western nominee is just have a a number of nominees, regardless of division, like this season, you know, Brady Oliveira versus Chad Kelly for MLP, I do think is a good discussion, but it would be a lot more interesting if there was three or four candidates and maybe, maybe the, maybe the choices are Vernon Adams, Jr. Zach Kolaris, Brady Oliveira, Chad Kelly, right? That is a lot more interesting. That there's, a, there's a real debate there, and there's a real uncertainty going into awards night. You're going, oh, geez, like with four choices, like do, do people steer away from the Bombers because there's two choices, or maybe maybe there's a Bomber bias because, well, uh, if you don't vote for one, you can vote for the other. Maybe, you know, because Vernon Adams Jr., yeah, Lions didn't win as many games as the Argos did, but his numbers are a lot better than Chad Kelly's from a, at least a touchdowns and yardage perspective. So, to me, I think, you know, the event is great. Uh, the only thing that's missing is that meat of, of who's actually going to win these awards. And by opening it up to, first of all, more than two candidates, and then also uh, getting it away from a divisional format and having it be a truly national format, uh, I think would, would greatly enhance what is already a good event and I think could be a fantastic event for the CFL. 
We'll see if Randy Ambrosi reads your column as we go through the future, John. Appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and enjoy the playoff games tomorrow. Thanks, Christian. Anytime. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you.